Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, Ty Lee Jameson, still over in Europe. Uh, this time, I think, with the uh, with the Italians doing some, I don't know, shenanigans. He was wearing one of those weird little bird masks thing, you know, like uh, at Carnival. So he's having a good time. But Ty and I are here to... Well, Ty, what are we here to talk about? Just it, it, This is a bit of a weird stretch of the offseason. You know, softball and baseball... You know, literally just started, so there's not a ton to dive in there. They're still in their early stages. Um, OU basketball still kind of weird, really. Not a lot to talk about. They are what they are. The OU OU women's basketball is great, by the way. Uh, massive game on Saturday against Texas. Make sure to get out there. But in terms of football, you know, we got a little bit of information about the start of camp, but really, that's that's about it. We're we're kind of at the uh, we're kind of we're kind of at the stage where nothing's really happened yet. For sure. I think I said it on the last podcast, but we are in that period of the calendar where no news is good news by almost any measurement. There there is no there's no good news that comes out in sort of this period in the calendar for college football. Um, unless it's just something completely off the wall. So generally, if we had big breaking news, at this point in in the season cycle, it would not be good. So disappointing for people who are itching for their OU football fix and a bit disappointing for those trying to make content from OU football. But ultimately, if you're a fan of OU football, no news is good news at this point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you don't want anybody getting in trouble, you know, doing some sort of, uh, you know, um, I don't know, um, auto dealership scheme that, you know, gets you in trouble and suspended. Shout out Red Bomar, but never shout out Red Bomar. Uh, that sort of deal. You never want that sort of thing. So all is quiet, all is good. But look, here's what we're going to do this episode. So Ty, you and I, we've pieced together some kind of evergreen overall questions about OU, the SEC, just overall type of stuff. Um, but so this is kind of a bit of a wild card episode. We're talking about everything. But that also goes for y'all. If y'all have any questions for us, if anything pops into your head that you would like to talk about, that you would like to ask us about OU, about uh, the SEC move, about the Big 12, about anything, we, we will be happy to answer it. And uh, we're just going to just gonna kind of hang out here on a uh, Tuesday night. But um, yeah, so Ty, <laughs> you, and, you and I, we're good for this wild card set because both of us kind of can get out there i know you you and i one of our first podcasts we we ranked uh overall mascots which ended up in uh talking about fighting okra talking about keggy the keg that type of stuff um james thrice mentioning that nothing good comes out of basketball news uh either um alabama geez what is going on there uh brutal stuff um but uh yeah no ty <laughs> It's this is just a this this is just going to be a weird one. So, um, what's your first question? And um, I don't know what what are you thinking? What 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 question? What should we talk about? Yeah. So my first question is actually a question that I also have. I'm going to pull the curtain back and reveal that I do not know. So I will ask you, Bobby, our first viewer question: When does spring practice actually officially begin? Yes. So this question was actually asked uh, last podcast, and I saw it. Tried to Google it, couldn't find it, uh, and that's because it wasn't an out, it wasn't out yet. But uh, Brenton Venables just announced. I believe it starts uh, March twenty second is what is the date I remember seeing. 
uh, for 2023. Uh, they're currently in the Schmitty stage right now. Um, but, uh, Mar but spring practice should start, um, on March 22nd is the date that I saw. So uh, a month and a day from our recording on the 21st here. Yeah. I, I think I'm right. That's the name. That's the, that's the date that's seared into my brain, but also, uh, I'm kind of an idiot. So you never know. I, I I'm pretty sure it's March 22nd, uh, is the start of spring practice. Um, I will right. say, by the way, I will say, by the way, I like how um, uh, Brent Venables actually had a bunch of guys come up and speak. Uh, he he had all of the, you know, transfer portal guys and kind of um, uh, new signees. They had them. They, they uh, made them available to the media, which is a total turn from what we've seen uh, in the past. You know, very recently with uh, Lincoln Riley not letting Caleb Williams talk, that sort of stuff. Um, so it was good to see that kind of change, I guess. Yeah, I like that. I feel like there is obviously there's buy-in, uh, by the players into, into the team and the organization and what you're building. But I understand the arguments for trying to protect someone from the media, but I, I feel like ultimately there's tremendous buy-in from people, especially people entering a system. Uh, if they can go out there and, and have an opportunity, you know, not open mic to just tell their story, but they can they can tell their opinion, you know, let it out and, and let it be heard. I, I think that's a very important thing to someone, especially initially joining an organization like you're talking about, uh, feeling like there's there's buy in and they're able to have a voice and, and everything. I think that's extremely important in the college football uh, realm right now with the amount of player freedom that there is. But I think that's just extremely important with any organization, really. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, James brought up a really good point there uh, that PV said, there'll come a day where they won't want to talk to the media, so might as well let them do it while they're still excited. Uh, that's that's a good point from BV there. I, I, I do love that. Uh, James also brought up a great question as well. How much playing time do you think Jackson Arnold gets in 2023? He's guessing he doesn't redshirt as early or as early as a month ago as he thought he would. Uh, but he thinks he will play a little bit in mop up duty. Ty, you've been a big uh, anti Dylan Gabriel type of guy. So what, what's your take on this? Do you think uh, Arnold gets, gets some burn here with the Sooners? Yeah, you gave me a good uh, lead in. I was going to say probably not the first three games because I think that's too early to fire your quarterback, but hopefully he'll start and all the rest. Um, but I, I think more realistically, uh, I think he's going to get playtime. I, I really think the the college football sort of field is is shifting. I think you have to give a guy playtime with the amount of freedom, especially with because everyone's been utilizing the transfer portal, but quarterbacks especially, I mean, the transfer portal is – is more or less a, a thing that was meant for quarterbacks. And then sometimes other players can use it. But I I think you have to give a guy playing time uh, as much as he wants. I, I almost feel like redshirting will become less and less common with certain positions, quarterback being one, as the college football pendulum starts to adjust to the transfer portal and everything else that we have going on obviously there might be further regulation in that but i i think specifically the the redshirt system of college i think you are maybe better off especially if it's a star guy or a high potential guy to go get them playing time and burn that redshirt because then 
you know, hopefully lowers chance of a transfer because they're not sitting around doing nothing, had all this hype coming out of high school or wherever else. And now they feel like they're, you know, their name's not on ESPN anymore because they're sitting on the sideline and, and they're disappointed about not getting a chance. But also I, I don't necessarily know that that red shirt matters as much, even if he is staying at your school and playing because, we're seeing so much freedom of movement. And then, you know, the draft stock for quarterbacks just continues to rise. You continue to see just baffling uh, quarterback uh, moves into the NFL draft moves, I guess. So I, that was a really long form answer for, I, I think it is very likely that we will see uh, like he touched on more than, more than burning a red shirt. So, so that would be five games would get play time. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to. I I would my hope would be more than five games and hopefully some meaningful play time. As in, you know, hopefully gets a a whole quarter and a couple of games or something where you can really get your rhythm in as a quarterback. I think is important. Yeah, and that point you mentioned about how the transfer portal has kind of changed the way you handle situations like this. I think you're spot on. I mean, we we just came from a situation where Nick Evers. Uh, left because he wasn't satisfied at OU. And I mean, he entered the program knowing that pretty, knowing pretty much he wasn't going to be the starter and Jackson Arnold's coming. So to me, I, I, I think you do have to kind of throw him a bone a little bit in terms of letting them play, getting them early exposure. Um, I, I think if you want to keep them longer term than, you know, uh, than as a freshman, you have to kind of, you have to kind of showcase them a bit beyond just your, you know, early season game against, you know, uh, Southeast FCS state, you know, like in, uh, uh, NCAA 14. Um, so I, 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 I get it. I, I personally don't see him taking over for Gabriel. I, I, I'm still kind of a believer in Dylan Gabriel. I think he's solid. And I think Arnold, as much as he is a talent, I think him waiting a year behind, an established quarterback like him would be very, very helpful. Um, and I do know he can run. He's not quite the like Caleb Williams type runner where you can bring him in in a pinch like uh, like Caleb. We like we saw him before he supplanted Radler. Um, but I think we do see him a, a solid amount more than you would see a normal uh, freshman kind of young quarterback. I think we see him way more than we saw Spencer Radler uh, when he was a true freshman, for example. Um, well, I would not. Yeah, <laughs> we had we had the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. Playing for us that's, when he was. It's not saying much. It's not saying much now that I think about it. But yeah, if you have if you have Jalen Hurts as your starter, then yeah, I don't care who you have. Yeah, sit back there. <laughs> Jalen Hurts that, all the snaps he needs. But yeah, it, it can be a bit of a different calculus depending it, on. It's it's yeah, it's uh, take a seat, buddy. You know, it's uh, you got you you got Jalen there. So um, yeah, no, I I think we do see a lot of Arnold though, and I'm I'm excited to see him. I think he's super dynamic. I love what he can do on the ground. Love what he can do through the air. Um, he's been just ex- very exciting from what we've seen uh, his highlights at Denton Geyer. So I for one, very very pumped. Um, but yeah, that's all we got from the YouTube comments right now. Feel free to keep those things coming, everybody. Keep 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 the questions rolling, and we will answer them. Uh, literally almost anything. Almost anything we will answer. That is how desperate we are for content, folks. 
NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. And look, I'll say this, any same-game parlay with Shea Gilgis-Alexander for the Thunder in it is absolute money. I love this guy, he's been putting up the stats, putting up the numbers, so if you see if you see Shea out there, you best believe that that's the move. I, I love that guy. So, download the app now and sign up with co- promo code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See those show notes for details. Now, back to the Schooner Pod. Anyways, let's get to some of our questions, Ty. And I want to... Um... I want to ask you, um, which player from last year do you think is going to make the biggest leap uh, from the previous season to now? Uh, Looking at um, that cheese at bowl, we saw a couple names uh, really pop out. A couple players that we that we think really could blow up in into that next year. Any names to you that uh, stand out in particular? Um. Gosh, that is kind of a a rough one. Obviously, and this is sort of beating a dead horse at this point, but Dylan Gabriel maybe makes a legitimate Heisman run. But I I think I want to go with hmm. I'm trying to to make a decision. I've been known to curse running backs, but I kind of want to go with a running back uh, for this one. I feel like there's the most potential there because. Um, I, I, there's no one specifically that really jumps out receiver. You might have a receiver as the answer to this one. Um, but I, I would like to go with a running back. Hmm. I am not, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I'll I go with, Marcus I guess, by the way, I think Marcus Major is yeah. still at OU. So, yeah. So obviously that's the, that's the perpetual answer. I mean, Knowles or Sawchuck. I mean, I, I can't really narrow it down more than that because I, I just don't know. I hopefully we'll know a little bit more in, uh, in the practice as it comes along. I think running back is going to be one of the position groups that's really going to be heavily impacted by the strength and conditioning program, which that takes time. I understand they had the whole summer uh, last year, but you know, three months of lifting and then right into playing all your football. That's not a whole lot of time to actually put on a good lean muscle mass. So I think they'll be really affected by a lot of the stuff that's happening just on the offensive side, I, defensive side, maybe some more people. You kind of put me on the spot with that one. I think a you little bit. I apologize. I, I yeah. think it, I think it would be best for OU if it is someone in the running back room that really has a breakout thing. Cause not to hammer again, beat the dead horse with, my perpetual Dylan Gabriel takes, but I would love for him to do good. I do believe in him more than it seems on the podcast. That is a bit of a running joke, but 
if you have a receiver that really explodes and has a ton of talent and you've got a guy that can't even get the ball within 10 yards of him, it doesn't really matter how good your receiver is. So obviously that's a bit of hyperbole, but I, I think a running back would be the most important skill offensive position for you. Yeah, no, and I, and I actually fully agree. Um, I was going to say it's it's going to be either Javante Barnes or Gavin Sawchuk. That duo was electric in the Cheez-It Bowl. I loved both of them, and it's 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 truly exciting to see both of them. I, I'm fully with you um, on that one. Um, but other guys, other guys, I mean, it's... It's pretty open. Uh, we have a do, we have a question from our guy Jimmy, uh, who will replace Mims. I think that's a problem. I don't really know who is going to replace Mims. How do you replace a Marvin Mims? Um, there's nobody in the room right now. I think that is capable of, you know, really being that type of burner. Uh, at least that we've seen, being that type of you know big play, big catch uh, type of guy. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. It's, it's, it's tricky. It's, it's so hard to figure out this far in advance. Um, I, but go ahead. I don't have an answer specifically for that one, but I think this is a rare case where Bobby might just be wrong because just specifically when he was like, Oh, who will replace Mims?" but turn the clock back and we're going, who could ever replace CD lamb? Who could ever replace, you know, Marquise Brown, who could ever replace Sterling Shepard? We, we do tend to either have a system that just produces them or get really, really lucky. I don't want to say that it's just, oh, we had good quarterbacks, so we are making our wide receiver one look good because all those guys also went on to be very successful. Some are still being successful in the NFL. So I think I think wide receiver is a position specifically that it's just one of those things that I, I don't even know if it really shows out in practice. You just see it in games. Guys just show out, so... I, I'm very confident that we will have a as good or better Mims replacement halfway through the season. Yeah, so. no, I I agree. And that point you made about we're always wondering, oh, who's going to replace this receiver? We that that receiving room has always been very very good, um, and I I think that it's going to continue to be the case as well. Um, anyways. Uh, also, great question from James here. Would you rather have one great wide receiver or three really good ones? I'm with I'm with him. I would take the trio. Yeah, if you're talking about one guy that's like a 99 rating, obviously you can't just have one. So let's say, would you rather have one guy that's like a 99 rating on a video game and then everyone else is a 65 rating? I would rather have three guys that are an 80 rating because I it's it, I've, I've said this take so many times. I think in college football, the depth of defenses really isn't there. And it, you know, this might change a little bit in the sec, but generally teams only have one really good cornerback uh, or say they have one really good secondary player. Sometimes they have two and then everyone else is just kind of good enough. You know, the rate that secondary players go to the next level, um, I don't think is a, it's a little bit less than some of the other uh, skill positions. And I think that if you have three 80% guys, I would rather have that organization at any level. You know, I'd rather if I were hiring employees to work fast food, I'd rather have three good employees than one rock star. And then two that I have to babysit a ton. But I, I think in college football specifically, you just present a terrible dilemma to defenses. If you have more than one 
good receiver. I, I think OU's in a position receiver room wise where we could have, you know, four good receivers and two amazing receivers too at any point. Yeah. And I will say thinking of three good receivers uh, gives me a little bit of, you know, bad flashbacks to uh, that, the, that, that one specific recruiting class that was supposed that had all the, they were never stars. good. They were supposed to be good. They were never good. That's the, only the, one, the, the only one that was decent for us was Theo Weiss. The rest were injured yeah. or got, you know, into trouble. So what can you say? We didn't get into trouble. Well, also, they also Theo Weiss was injured. They went out of their way to rob people. <laughs> they didn't just, they did, they didn't just stumble into a robbery. They didn't just find rob. themselves <laughs> robbing drug dealers Whoopsie. in apartments. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't just, that's not a... <laughs> Uh, shout out to Nate Oates. That's not a wrong place, wrong time situation. You don't, you don't just stumble into accidentally knocking a guy out with a with a pistol. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, anyways, uh, Ty, look, I put you on the on the spot earlier with a question, so it's your time to hit me with one of yours. Uh, even though I've seen them and cannot put me on the spot, essentially. But if you have one that you want to get me back on, let me know. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I know I sent mine to you. You had asked me to send you five sort of questions just in case we didn't get viewer questions. I'm gonna take them out of order. I think the one that fits right now the best is if you could replace anyone on OU's coaching staff, who would it be? And the kicker to that is who would you replace them with? Because obviously, just f- firing someone is no good if you're not gonna replace them. So, right? Who who would you fire from OU's coaching staff? And then who would you replace them with, say, blank check situation? Obviously, you can't say, oh, I want to fire our defensive coordinator and I want to hire Nick Saban <laughs> to be our DC. But, yeah. Uh, so if you oh. if you fire the DC, it's got to be replaced with the DC if you. Yeah, you know, they, they have to be currently in that position. It could be the it could level. be in, in the NFL, too. They could okay. be in the NFL. If you want to say, oh, I want to bring this coordinator, uh, who's the guy that was a coordinator for the uh, like Joe Brady, the coordinator. Uh, I think he's still up in the NFL or something. It might be dating yeah. himself with these. Oh, ones. yeah. it's not. You're not dating yourself. Joe Brady, I mean, that was as recent as like last year, I think, uh, with the Panthers. Um, man, that's that's a that's a really good question. Um and I think you I think you do have to have, you know, I'm not I'm not ready to give up on Levy, but I'd be very cool with getting rid of some of the baggage. And kind of moving on, I liked Joe Brady in the first place uh, instead of Levy. I'd be okay with bringing him back and seeing what we could do. Uh, and I, that, but but I will say you brought it up, so that's a little tacky to, to take what you what you said and just kind of uh, package it there. Um, man, it's good because I really do like I really do like our staff. Um, and if you gave me another year and things. And things went sour, you know. You would start to think about beating Bo. There's an obvious one though, uh, Ted Roof. You got to you got to get rid of Ted Roof. Um, ditch Ted Roof, replace him with defensively. Who is damn good right now? Um, I will say, Jimmy in the, co- in the comments has a great one with Bronco Mendenhall. Um, hell of a hell of a coach right there. So I'm not I'm not I'm not stealing that one. Not stealing that one. Um, man, who would be a killer DC? Who would be really, really good? Um, this is a tough one because it, it at is. least for me, when I think of all of the 
oh, this guy is a good, hot DC. Most of them, uh, anyone that I can think of, they're now head coaches at different places. So it's kind of difficult to, to one for one a DC with a big name, I guess. I, I think there's a lot of people out there that maybe would do a better job than Ted Roof uh, as a DC, but you know, yeah, advertising, especially... they need to advertise themselves more. I, I have a need for the product, but I, I don't know where to go get it. Yeah. And I mean, especially because, uh, you know, as a DC, um, what am I trying to say here? I, I mean, you know, that was Brent's position. He has been a DC all the way. So it's, you know, he, he hasn't had people under him, uh, so to say. Um, hold on. I have, I have a wild idea. I have, an, I have a wild idea. Um, I don't know if I love it, but I kind of, I kind of slightly like it. What if? Hear me out. Coach O, defensive coordinator. <laughs> Let's get weird. That's what led me to the Joe Brady thing. I was gonna make a, uh, I was gonna make a. Do we fire Brent Venables and hire Cocho? Look, sugars, <laughs> sugars doesn't exist anymore. Cocho is is not employed. Uh, he was a D line coach in, uh, you, you know, basically his entire run through. So look, wait, bring in bring in Cocho. Let's get weird. You know, he 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 can't cause havoc. You know, maybe he's tight. Maybe he's uh, he's bored. And wants to get back into the game. He would be a he would be he would be a great recruiting force in the SEC. He brings that energy. You know, uh, maybe doesn't fit with uh, Brent's values. I don't know. But Coach O at OU, it'd be kind of fun. I don't think he would take it. But also, this is a a a um, you know, it, this is a workshop where we're just putting in coaches out of nowhere. So, yeah. Well, I, th- I think that's a sufficient answer to the question. Yeah. Or like, uh, yeah, Coach O, you know, offensive uh, analyst. You know, if he just wants to hang out, chill at Ocon's, that sort of deal. Um, I will say, Plains Runner over here, uh, Todd Bates for DC. I like that too. I, th- I think Todd Bates, um, obviously the credentials are there. It's going to be hard to keep him away from a DC job eventually. So... I could see that being a very natural promotion. But. Yeah, I, I think ultimately, hopefully, because Venables comes from just systems, just really good organizations with uh, Bill Snyder at K-State and then Bob Stoops at OU and then Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. Those were all very low turnover uh, in in the realm of college football. Uh, those were all very low turnover organizations when it came to their staffs generally. And those were all organizations that had an organization set up where it wasn't necessarily too dependent on one specific person. I think that was sort of the opposite of what we saw under Lincoln Riley. I think the Lincoln Riley uh, system, and I'm not trying to, you know, down it or anything else, but I, I think some systems are very dependent on, on the specific people. I would love for OU to have a system Bama is a great example of this where, yeah, it's very dependent on Nick Saban, but you can plug and play with DCs and OCs within the organization that's there and not have too great of a variance in, in what you're producing. So I, I would love for OU to have that system. I'm not advocating for, you know, just perpetual mediocrity or good enough, but I, I think 
you know, best case scenario, we have a system where it's not super dependent on, oh, we need this specific guy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I will say the first Alabama finally has kind of reached that point where they're like, yeah, I'm not really sure about this. If we could just keep plugging dudes in, and that's okay. But like it has worked for so long where the system just churns and operates and it's it's smooth. And I, I do love that. Um, it, it's, it's, it's an element of being bigger, you know, the, the program being bigger than one person, the, um, you know, each room being bigger than just that coach where they can move on and there's something left there that people can move on and uh, continue on with, which I think is great. But um, Ty, I got to say, look at both of our questions. My, my questions are, are kind of, uh, are kind of dumb. I'm not going to lie. Yours are very good. Um, so either I, I'm going to, I'm going to give you this, this, uh, this choice, um, which, which, which question would you rather answer best helmet in college football or one of your questions? Because I, I do love your questions and we can get weird with it. If you want to answer what you think the best question is, but we're kind of on a roll with some of the serious college football talk the here. Best question. Uh, no, we'll save, we'll save best helmet for the end. Uh, just <laughs> I cause it. I want to double check. Uh, some stuff yeah so let's let's go with let's go with one of your questions uh because i think you're doing a good job also audience feel free to ask some questions um you all have been great tonight um here's here's one that i like if you don't mind i might just steal it because i think because you know i grew up an ou fan since i was very little you've been all around um ty if you weren't an ou fan who would you cheer for (laughs) Well, so this question, it was a little bit more tailored towards you uh, specifically because I'm known to have like, oh, I, I'm like sympathetic to this. I think I have like four different teams that I claim to be a fan of just in the in the pack 12. Um, I, I this is a this is a weird answer, I think, because it's not one that I typically answer on the podcast, but um I remember when sort of – because I didn't really start to pay attention to college football, uh, OU football, especially until like sixth grade, like middle school. But uh, I lived in Florida for a time before that, and I remember thinking that the Florida Gators were really neat. Uh, When I lived there, it was sort of like the first time I noticed college football. Like I remember seeing people – doing the like the gator chomp and i like the colors i mean it's the same color scheme as as the thunder i think it's executed much better at florida than it is at the thunder but that's a whole different discussion but i so weirdly enough i maybe florida because i i think that would have been and then it, that, that sort of broadly aligns because I'm, I'm trying to think about this like if i did not have ou i would probably be a florida fan especially if i was getting into college football as a fan around the time that you and I were, were in about sixth grade, which was right at the, I think when we were in seventh grade would have been uh, that OU Florida national championship. So it would have been a natural progression for me to think Florida was really cool uh, from seeing the fans in, in Florida when I lived there and the little gator chomp I thought was cool, like unique fan things. And then they were also really good right when I was starting to like college football, the sport. So I think if I didn't have OU, uh, I think undoubtedly I would be a Florida fan. 
Yeah, no, I, I get that because Florida's brand is awesome. You know, not just the Gator, but the Swamp and everything. As you mentioned, the Gator Tromp is pretty cool. Um, those teams, the Tebow teams, were very, very fun to watch. Very awesome. Um, they just had a mystique to them that was really, really cool. You know, it, it felt like a big deal if you were in the Swamp. Um, it felt like that team was, you know, and, and not only that, but I think they had a different coolness than like Alabama has right now. I mean, Alabama doesn't even have a logo on the helmets. Well, um, so, you know, the, the the vibes are different. Uh, you know, it's just a different, um, it's it's a different energy. You know, the branding is just not quite the same as uh, as what Florida has. You know, the colors are exciting. The All of it is, the mascot's cool. It's an alligator. And, you know, I guess technically Alabama's, you know, you got the, uh, you know, you got you got the elephants, the Crimson Tide. It's just a kind of an amalgam of weird things. Which, I, which by the way, I gotta say, can we talk about how Al- both Alabama schools have the most confusing brand identity ever? Uh, on Alabama's end, you have the elephants, but also a giant red wave. On the Auburn end, you have uh, you know the tigers, but also an eagle. What is it with Alabama and not having any idea what their identity is? It's it's kind of weird. Um, so Florida, great choice. Um, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's tricky because like you, like you said, you know, this was kind of a question geared to me. I would say right now, like where I sit right now, TCU would be such an easy, uh, type of team to like, you know, if OU just didn't exist. Um, I think their branding is cool. I think their energy is fun. That type of stuff really would draw you in as kind of a, you know, a non, um, you know, if you don't have a place to go, that would be where I would draw, I'd be drawn to. I think Fort Worth is awesome. Um, and you know, it, it kind of aligns weirdly enough with, um, you know, my soccer team, uh, I big fan of the Tottenham Hotspurs, uh, or of Tottenham Hotspur with, with the weird chicken, the weird vibes they got going on there. I, I kind of translate that as well to what TCU has in a weird way. So right now I'd pick TCU. If it was when I was a kid, when I first started watching college football, um, I'm trying to think of a team that was good, but not too good. Um, because I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go with like the early two thousands, Miami's definitely not USC. Texas wouldn't be it either. Um, and I, I'm not saying Oklahoma state because that's just, that's not, that wouldn't happen. But it also probably would be Oklahoma State, if we're being frank. So, um, let's see. Of that era, who was really, really fun? Well, um, so wait, what what year frame are you talking about? Because would, would you? I think you got into college football earlier than I did. So I think you would have been like a USC would have been sort of the best team of that time frame, I, I think. Yeah, I could see myself going like that early Oregon, like Mike Bellotti days, you know, back, back, you know, 2002, you know, when they, um, 2003, something like that, whenever they had, um, oh shoot, who was that? Who was that quarter that, who was the quarterback who made uh, NCAA that one year? I, I could see myself going with, uh, with Oregon, um, riding with them, you know, cause that, that's when I first really started watching 2002, 2003. Um, because I, 
I was really, I was really into it, like as a little kid, but not really couldn't understand it, you know, in like oh one, right, right, right after oh you want it. But Joey think, Harrington. Joey Harrington. Oh my gosh, yeah. God, yeah, that was. But yeah, I'd probably go Oregon because they were kind of fun. That, you know, like a lot of kids, you know, that was a team that a lot of people drove towards. Um, some of our comments are interesting. Uh, I probably Nebraska says James. And look, I love, I, I really do enjoy Nebraska. That is a great place. Great people really enjoy them. That probably would have, that could have been it too. Nebraska was really good in that early two thousands run. Uh, people forget they made the national title as early as 2001. Uh, they got blown out, but they were there. Uh, so that Eric Crouch kind of era could have drawn me in. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy says LSU. Not going to lie. If I, it's hard for me to separate myself from my just natural disdain of LSU from their years of uh, providing me pain, you know, 2003, all that. But, um, you know, hey, they're a fun fan base. So I, I, I get that. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It, it would be interesting based on, you know, when I would have gotten into it, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's a good answer, though. Yeah. Uh, Ty, I'm gonna let you uh, do do another question as well. Sorry, sorry for stealing that one as well. I am truly desperate as my questions are crap. Uh, what do you what, what do you got for us? So this one is a very different uh, vein than sort of the last one because uh, we didn't really have a specific set of boundaries. But I I wanted to have one that was sort of a a a bigger question mark, maybe a. I don't want to say a harder hitting question. That seems a bit presumptuous, but um, has NIL actually done anything tangible for OU? Like, cause I really don't. So let me preface that or your statements by saying, I don't know if I could really put my finger on one thing that says like, Oh yeah. NIL got that guy here or kept that guy here when it comes to OU. I know you can point to examples at other schools. I don't know if it's just not being covered in the press, which wouldn't make any sense. Uh, certainly that stuff would, would be evident. You know, if someone had a massive NIL deal and they're advertising something or something like that, but I, I don't know if I can point to NIL as of yet, because I think eventually it will. Has NIL ever actually done anything tangible for this OU team? Obviously, it helps that people are making money. You know, maybe oh, somebody would have left if they didn't get money, but I don't know if I can point to any player or even position group or anything where I can say, oh, yeah, NIL did a lot for getting us that guy or or whatever. I would say uh, no, I, or, or I, I think it's hurt. Uh, obviously, it's helped student athletes, you know, being able, them being able to get paid has been awesome. That's been great for them. But if we're talking about has NIL been a competitive, has it provided a competitive advantage for OU? I would say no. Um, specifically because OU, the teams they're recruiting against, the teams they're going head to head with, is severely undermanned uh, in the NIL department uh, compared to Texas AM, Texas, um, you know, Alabama, the Georgias of the world. Um, just look at the fundraising, you know, some of this, some of the stuff we've seen, you know, with, um, you know, God, I don't even remember some of the names of it, but, the, but all of the, they're like 40 different NIL collectives, 
OU can't figure out on one to really go all in on. And, you know, the fan base is kind of confused. Um, not only that, but whenever they do find one, the fundraising is just not even on the same par as, you know, let's even say Auburn. Auburn is lapping Oklahoma in, in IL fundraising. And I, I'm not sure why that is, but I will say it doesn't bode well if the fan base can't respond to it or if things don't change. Um, there is a question of, hey, look, do the do the fans have to sort of pay the players themselves or is that a fair system? Especially when the university is making as much money as they are on football, obviously can't use those funds to pay the players, but if I buy, if I buy, you know, if I buy myself a hot dog at the OU game, none of that money goes towards athletes. I buy a shirt. That's not an NIL like based item. It doesn't go towards the athletes. So there's like a lot of money that goes into the OU experience that is not being spent on athletes. So if you're doing that, and then on top of that, on top of the donations and the ticket uh, cost and everything that goes into being a college sports fan, if you're asking them to, this is going on to a separate rant, but if they're asking them to uh, then now pay the athletes themselves, I can see how that's tricky. But the thing is, every other fan base, totally fine with it. They're working on it. Not every other, but a lot of the other SEC fan bases that we're competing with on a day-to-day basis, they're okay with it. Auburn, they don't care. They're throwing money at it like it's nothing. And perhaps the culture's just not there yet. I don't know. Um, but it's... To, to, to really get to the root of it, NIL has done... Has, has, has not been the kindest to you. Um, otherwise, I'm pretty sure we would have David Hicks uh, in this class. He'd be a Norman right now, and he's not. So... Um, that's just one name of many. They're correcting it. They're getting better. But to answer your question, no, I don't think it, I don't do not think it's provided an advantage for where OU is, who they're competing against, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I I almost think a, a few quick points on that. I think OU is at a weird point where we have enough money to nil around. If you're talking about you know, the, the basically the laundered money that's just coming from the school and going to the players. Uh, we have enough of that, that that obviously it gets spread around, but not enough to do those big deals like Texas or AM or like you said, just all sorts of SEC schools are able to do. I think maybe that's on our, our organization itself. We're not figuring that out. I, I think the I think the money is there when it comes to the donors and and uh, fans. I think everyone that is spending money on OU football is a donor to some extent. But, yeah, yeah it, I think that's on them to figure out. But I, I think at the same point, we have enough where we can sort of throw it out for stuff like that. But then I feel like when you look at just specific players, some of the smaller schools are maybe in a better position because they do that thing where they just have a bunch of money saved up and then they just throw out the absolute bag for like one specific dude. And then you got, you know, like one big five star and you're like, why in the world is he committing to this place? So I think it, I think it has helped some of the smaller schools, but yeah, I think when it comes to OU, um, the location I think is, is also a bit of a, 
a bit of an issue. I, I think you start to see the the pro sports, big market, small market thing coming into into play because like Dylan Gabriel, the only thing I can remember him actually advertising, this is like the real intent of NIL, you know, is making the money on, on their stuff. The only thing I can remember him advertising is like the, there's a boat store that's like next to the McDonald's dumpster, like behind the McDonald's dumpster in Norman. And that's the only thing they did a commercial with Dylan Gabriel. That's like still I, running. Not to, I, not to like, yeah, I'm I know not the trying exact to like, boat store you're talking about. Yeah. I'm, and I'm not trying to talk bad on the business. You know, if you own a boat store, but you want to buy the cheapest real estate, obviously. So probably <laughs> yeah, good business yeah. decision there. You're but, right off highway but, nine. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah, But there's just who, who in, you know, Oklahoma, obviously Oklahoma has a lot of, of sort of, um, bigger businesses, especially in like the OKC area, not in Norman, we have the boat store. And then, you know, the largest employer is the university, the, the university's already, you know, we've covered that bit. And then you go up to the city and like, you know, Boeing is not going to NIL someone, they don't care. They just employ a bunch of engineers. It, it, they have no benefit of like NILing a, a college football player. Uh, Paycom has no reason to NIL an OU player. They're a national, they, if they're going to, they're just going to get the Heisman winner or, you know, some guy from Stanford that was in the Heisman running and can speak business or, or whatever else. Like there's, if you, if you start to look at every corporation or every large business in Oklahoma, there's not really a whole lot that, that makes a, a ton, a ton of sense for NIL. Uh, whereas I think some of the other places have, you know, just a larger, a larger market, larger city, more opportunities for, for stuff to, uh, to get NIL around, I guess. Also, a yeah. lot of these big companies in like the only ones that I can think of in Oklahoma where I'm like, oh yeah, I could see them doing an NIL deal. Uh, it's all Oklahoma state <laughs> people that own them. So <laughs> I will say shout out to Schwab meat company for getting Caleb Williams before Caleb Williams was really, really good. Uh, they, they, they had that man eating glizzies and now he's wearing uh beats by Dre. So Schwab, they, they got, they got the, they got the vision before everybody else, but no, you're, you're right. The, the, the industry is, uh, is small. Um, mainly because it's hard to promote that unless you're being just like that one, um, that one Miami and IL situation where like the entire team is promoting like a pacemaker or something like Something very weird. I I can't remember their situation. Unbelievably Miami. <laughs> yeah, we don't have the retirement market here either. Uh, yeah, that's to advertise true. to them, unfortunately. That's that's true. Yeah. Miami's NIL is uh it's Miami. So um what can you say? What can you say? Uh well Ty, I gotta say, this pod has gone pretty, pretty smooth for not really having a ton of a game plan. Um, but I, I will say your questions immaculate and the questions by our uh, listeners also just awesome. So we've really appreciated them uh, getting involved as well. Um, what do you think? What uh, should we wrap this thing up or do we, do we want to answer the college football helmet question uh, that I, I came up with clearly not uh, my finest producing moment on my end. Yeah, I, th I think one final question doesn't have to be that one. I know we have a few more uh, pre-prepared ones, uh, but I think maybe one final um, question. I'm not sure how many of mine uh, we asked. Let me hit you with a mini question. Uh, because we can ask the 
helmet one too. Yeah, a mini question because the uh, the the towers are getting torn down uh, in Norman. Uh, that's that's uh, in in process residential towers. Which was your favorite tie back in the day, uh, Adams Walker or Couch? No, oh, well, I think I'm obligated to answer Adams. Yeah, Adams was where I, I met my wife there, so I would have to. Technically outside. That's the of only Adams. safe answer. Technically outside of Adams, but you. Okay, good point. Never mind. Uh, I mean, I I met Daria. I, I met my wife and Adams as well. So, but it, it, even though it was the crappiest of the three, it had the most charm and it had canes. I feel like that's where we all hung out. Which I, it makes me sad that it's the first one to go because it was it was the coolest of all of them. Um, so I yeah I, I'm with you. I'm 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 sad to. I'm sad to see that one go, but uh, Jimmy asks, are we going to the spring game? I know I will this time, actually. Uh, don't have a wedding this time on the spring game. So that date is cleared. Um, April blanking on the date. Didn't know that. Um, but yeah, spring game should be good. I believe Kyler Murray. I think his statue is getting revealed for that, which would be great. April 22nd is the spring game date for that. Um, I will be there. It should be fun. Yeah. Uh, same for me, uh, unless something comes up. I am, uh, as of now, certainly planning on it. Yeah, for sure. We'll have a whole bit of content on spring games as a whole, and then what we're looking forward to yeah. uh, this one and everything else, I'm sure, as we get closer to that. They're going to try to top... Um, the attendance from last year, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, I feel like last year had a lot of excitement, a lot of newness, a lot of hype. <laughs> I mean, just, just great. Just given by our podcasting last, last, uh, last off season, we had stuff to talk about. Uh, we had, hope. Was, we had hope and <laughs> it's, it's different when there's like hope and you know, you never know what's going to happen, but when you're fresh off of a six and six season, it's hard to be like, well, no, this year, now we're going 12 and 0. Like, they're going to be good. You know, we, we saw what we saw, and it's hard to hard to not unsee it and uh, think that it's not going to happen again. So, I do think they'll be better. I do think they'll be better, but it's, you know, the, the hopium uh, is not quite there this time out. But, um, do we want to do one more question, Ty, or are we calling it good? What do you think? Uh, we'll do the helmets. What is, uh, so I guess, what is the best helmet in college football? I'm, I'm going to say we're going to exclude OU from this. Yeah. Uh, because obviously it's OU's normal helmet, the only helmet that we should have. Uh, but I, I think exclude OU from this. So for me, I'm going to have to go, I, I want to not to sort of put myself in in a, a little box, but I, I want to keep it sort of with stuff currently in use. I think, I don't know, a, a best of all time is hard because there's just so many good, like super, super cool one-offs. And I think sometimes like it's just a, with some uniforms, it matters like when they're worn, like the 2020 Navy helmets for army Navy, the blue granite ones uh, that game was like a later in, 
in uh no it wasn't later but it was like super foggy and dark and just the the lighting was just ideal for those and those were already super cool they look great on tv so those certainly are ones that jump out i god this is uh this is an edgy one this is a very very edgy one but i gotta go with tradition i gotta go with simplicity i gotta go with instantly recognizable I got to go with, you know, transcends the sport to some extent, iconic, so many things you can say about it, not necessarily pro the team, but I think there is a very, very good argument that I'm going to tie myself to here of in regular use helmets that are still currently in use. I'm going to go with Notre Dame. Notre Dame is very strong. Uh, that that is that is on my short list of what I've thought about. Not just the the iconic golden domes. They're they're not just a golden helmet, but the way they use the gold, the gold being specifically like sourced from the same flakes of gold. It's actual gold, uh, the, the same flakes of gold that they use to put onto the dome on campus, um, where the helmet kind of mirrors it. Uh, mirrors that dome mirrors the reflection of it is just genuinely cool no other college football team or any helmet is remotely close yeah i was gonna say it funny enough uh, jimmy in the comments came up with what my my second one was uh which is weirdly enough florida state because i i think the florida state one i like the branding uh, and I think it is the best execution of sort of like a style specifically, like, like I would group everyone that uses helmet stickers into one style, obviously Ohio state's the most iconic of that, but I think Florida state has the best execution, uh, of that just personally of, of that design. So yeah, I think Florida state weirdly might not be up there with a lot of other people's, but, uh, I think Florida state is up there from, I think best sticker helmet. In my opinion, I would go Florida State. That's a very controversial take. I think college sports as a whole. I think a lot of people would vilify you for not going with the Buckeyes. So it, it's funny you say that because Florida State was top of my list. I love the spear. <laughs> I, I no, no, for real. That's it hilarious. The spear, the garnet, and the gold. It just—it's so cool. I'm a big fan of any helmet that isn't just like you know the main team logo on the side or you know, nothing or just like a, like a letter, but the ones that get weird with it. So in the NFL, we're talking like the Vikings little horn thing, um, the Rams before they re, uh, redid their um, helmets and logos and all that, the Ram horn classic. Um, anything like that, I think is just the best. Uh, I am. I'm in love. I love that sort of thing. So the spear to me, I think is the most unique in college football it's cool. It's iconic. It, it it's it's very forward. I think in terms of uh, just how it looks, it's 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 awesome. I'm a big Florida State guy, but in terms of uh, the the iconography, um, but um, yeah, the the Ohio State helmet, it's not bad. I think it's exci- I think it's cool the way they do the Buckeyes and all that, but it's also like really crappy at the start of the year which I know kind of has part of it, but um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, I think it's on the overrated end of, uh, of, of uh, famous helmets. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I would go with that. I, I think it's, I think it's the standard. I think it's the standard for 
really good, uh, in my opinion. So if I were to, if I had it on a scale of one to four, one being the worst, four being the best, the Ohio State one would be at three for me. And then that would be the threshold of is something better than this one? That's what puts it into the great, if that makes sense. At least yeah. for sticker helmets, I would have them categorized sort of by design styles. Um, sort of like some of the stuff you talked about, you know, just is it a primary logo thing? Is it like a some sort of icon or whatever? I mean, we could do a whole podcast on just helmets specifically. Because oh, yeah. because obviously gonna... visual stuff is great for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly but i i will say because we're talking about iconic ones i think everyone can close their eyes don't close your eyes if you're driving by the way do not do that uh hypothetically like imagine these helmets um specifically you you know what we're talking about when we're talking about ohio state and i will say this this is a really hot take i think michigan does the helmet stickers better than ohio state does with what Harbaugh has started doing, where each sticker kind of has its own meaning and like iconography. So, for example, if you make the Orange Bowl, you have a little Orange Bowl sticker that stays on your helmet your entire run through. And I just, I just think that's really cool um, because it becomes this tapestry of uh, what this player's career was. And at the end of the at the end of their run at Michigan, they get to take the helmet home with them. So the stickers are cool. And then not to not to, not to even mention the fact that that little winged helmet, whatever that little icon I, I, like logo is that they put on there, that only like them and Delaware and Princeton have, it's iconic. So, you know, Michigan Michigan is very high up there. That is an awesome helmet. Yeah, I I gotta echo what you said about the the sticker execution. I you know what I said about FSU having the best in the sticker category, but I think just stickers alone, I, I also absolutely adore the idea of being able to tell what's going on <laughs> with the <laughs> stickers. At least there's some, you know, it's a little bit user-friendly uh, for people just looking at them. Yeah. Cause Ohio state, they're just like, I don't know. There's some Buckeyes. We're just slapping them on, you know, there, there, there is some system of how they get them, but nobody really knows. But with Michigan, it's like, you get it. You know, they, 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 they spell it out for you. It tells, they tell you what's up. Uh, Jimmy says his favorite is uh, in the NFL is the Dolphins, which I I love the Dolphins. Um, great color scheme. Not my I I do not. That's not my favorite helmet in the pros. I think it's I think it's got to be. You know, the Rams kind of got rid like kind of screwed it up for me. It's hard to beat the Packers with that yellow and the big G. But we're we're drifting off into different territories here. I. Ty, I'm sure you'd you'd probably think it's the Cowboys. Oh, it is. It's undoubtedly the Cowboys. It's oh, yeah. not, and that's not a bit. I think you know, instantly recognizable. Just say so much. I would say close second for me would be the Pats, uh, but yeah, I think I think it's the Cowboys for sure. That that is a whole different rabbit hole. That I that's a brand. Down. Yeah, it's it's kind of a brand <laughs> recognition thing too, though. But it's like, you know. For, yeah. I'll give you a bad worst helmet in college football just to wrap it up. BYU. Because it's such a, every time I look at it, just until very recently, I learned that that logo means BYU and not Yale or something else. You can't just have, you can't have blue and white and then just Y is your logo yeah. when your school is BYU. That doesn't make any sense. It's confusing. It seems a bit, it seems a bit like when a, 
an off-brand is trying to like trick you into, you know, something, you know, you're on Amazon, you think you're buying Nike, but then you notice that like, it's like Nike with two eyes or something like that. That's, that's the PYU helmet. Yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. You know what helmet I think is like the most overrated, the worst overall. I, I think the Penn state helmet gets way too much love. Just the white helmet with the little blue stripe down the middle. I get the, I get why people like it, the classic and, and all that. I just, I don't think it deserves praise. It's just, it's just kind of there. It's, it, it's not iconic to me. It, most little league teams wear the Penn state helmet essentially because they can't afford or, or don't want to, because you're not, they're kids. You don't want to put a bunch of money into kids helmets that they're going to outgrow, but they all just wear the little white shells. Every time you do like when I was a kid, I always, I always was looking forward to middle school or high school where it's like, I actually get a colored helmet you know, with a logo on the side. <laughs> so growing up, I, you know, I, I hated the white shells. So why do people like these white, boring Penn State helmets? It's the worst. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily have it. I think it's just, there's stuff going for it. There's stuff not going for it. Yeah, I think, I think we've probably tapped this conversation out for the time <laughs> being. Yeah. But um, it's all good. Well, folks, we started out with uh, a couple questions and a loose plan, but we're here one hour later with a podcast, folks. This was a great time. Ty, thank you so much for hopping on, for providing great, great questions, uh, lifting. Really, you, you really were the MVP of this show by far uh, because uh, my questions were awful. Um, and I really appreciate you, man. It was a good time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Dude, anytime, of course. Well, <laughs> for me and Ty, this has been the Schooner Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for your questions, your interactions. We'll see you next time when we will find something else to talk about. We'll see you when we get there. Have a good one, everyone. Boomer Sooner, everybody.